Do you like to learn about random wild stuff? You know, the things you didn't think you needed to know about, then realize you should? Then welcome to Nothing Off Limits, the podcast that gives you one place to go for something different. Impress your next party guest with your unusual body of knowledge. And if you dig the show, get more information at ladyfoxentertainment.com and subscribe, rate, or review. Thanks. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Nothing Off Limits. Today, I'm excited. I have Angus Nelson with me. Angus works with executives of the world's largest companies as a speaker, coach, and facilitator. He's spoken at corporate headquarters for Walmart, Whole Foods, Coke, BMW, and others, hosts an Inc.com Top 20 business podcast called Up In Your Business and has been featured on AOL.com, Huffington Post, and VentureBeat. In April of 2017, coming up, Morgan James Publishing will release his newest book, Empowering Work. He's also got an ebook about networking, which we'll mention later in this episode. But today we're going to discuss one of Angus's specialties, millennials. We're going to learn about working effectively with this talented generation, understanding their mindset, engaging them, encouraging their development, and so on. You can go to Angus's website while you're listening. Check out all of his great stuff on there, angusnelson.com. Welcome, Angus. Hi, Michelle. I am euphoric to be here. How oh, euphoric. So wow. I was I was just talking to somebody and and they said, you know, people just use the same words. So he, he asked me, <laughs> you know, hey, welcome to the show. And I said, I'm ecstatic to be here. <laughs> so he's like, that's the first time someone's ecstatic. So I was I was strapping for another word. I for love you. it. Do you feel like you're overstating or do you really feel euphoric? Actually, I'm really looking forward to this because I, I the, the crazy little symmetry here is I won one of your I commented on one of your blog post or, or excuse me your, your podcast yeah and i won a prize and then like yeah. only a few weeks later you reached out to me and said i'd love to interview i'm like that is so weird like why is that weird well because you know it's like for me it's just i i podcast and, and i'm on podcasts and 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 i'm i'm supportive of my peers my colleagues so i try to be very generous about reaching out to other people. Mm-hmm. I don't want well, to be the I guy who just... I didn't know, gift you so that you'd come on my podcast. Those were well, two totally independent things. <laughs> and that's why I think it's so cool, right? So <laughs> that is what built my excitement because then we had a prep call you know, yeah. a number of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And so anything we talked about then, we've probably forgotten most of it or you took great <laughs> notes. I don't know which. I took and, some notes. And so it's like building up and building up. And so now it's like, here we are. The day, the day has it's come. It's here. Yeah. So... Uh, Let's dive in. Who are you and how did you get to be this amazing person that you are who has like euphoric feelings about things and is excited all the time and teaches great stuff? Tell us. So I'm a, an executive coach. I work with um, executives in terms of their mindset and mindfulness, helping them get beyond their own fears and their own limiting beliefs so they can be as successful as they can either in their jobs and careers or in their life and love. Hmm. So that's what I do. In addition, I have a podcast called Up In Your Business, uh, building you to do business better. I deal with not only the acumen of business, but also the psychology and the emotional uh, well-being for uh, doing well in business. So that's kind of what I do. I'm also a speaker and writer. Of course, I've got my book coming out. So how I got here to answer the second part of your question, I went through a whole lot of hell. A lot of brokenness. So my first business I started, I attached my identity to that company 
to where it started making some some sour financial decisions uh, that I was responsible for. Mm-hmm. In addition, the economy changed. 2001 was 9-11. It was a nonprofit organization. Our funds were drying up. So what do we do? We work harder, 60, 70, 80-hour work weeks. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden, I'm trying to cope with the pain. I started with pornography, then turned to alcohol, and then to adultery. I'm trying to soothe and, and dull my pain yeah. at the same time. I'm hurting people, including myself. Wow. Before long, I'm divorced, I've lost my business, and I've lost my self-worth and my vision for life. Damn. I, I spent the next three years um, trying to you know, find my way, and eventually I started seeing a counselor. Um, I started reading a ton of books, um, and then I discovered this one author, who was in Huntsville, Alabama, and he had this kind of spiritual approach to both that psychology and that emotional health, you know, approach. And I said, well, I'll go sit under this guy for a year. So I put my house in the market and moved to Alabama. And uh, while I was there, I met a woman. I met a new opportunity. And um, I was experiencing transformation, you know, in my own life. Yeah. And so I pulled this George Costanza because I didn't know if I was ready for another relationship. So I did the opposite of every natural impulse. Mm. And eventually, um, this woman just gave me the space to grow and to to learn what love really was. And she just loved me through my junk. And um, yeah, I started wow. another nonprofit. And Are you still with this lady? Uh, I am. Joyfully. Wow. Yeah. So it's uh, nine years. And I'll, I'll get to that in just a second. So we um, started uh, another nonprofit. Um, and then 2009, you know, we run out of money again. Only this time we closed because it was the right thing to do rather than, you know, my identity and everything mm, else. Yes. My wife challenged me to finish a book while she went to work. We had just had our first child together. She had another child from her practice marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, <laughs> I know was, about those. Right, right. So... Um, I, I wrote this book called Love's Compass that kind of told all of that story of that time period and, and the lessons learned. Uh-huh. And then I launched that on my own. Um, and just to make that story a little bit shorter, I had to do social media. That took me into uh, I was daddy blogging and meeting a lot of influencers in social media mm-hmm. itself who were in the corporate space. And my twin brother, I have an identical twin brother who was working for Salesforce as the director of social. So he knew all these like big name cats. And he's like, how do you know so-and-so? I'm like, well, daddy blogging. (laughs) And uh, so we started having these mutual friends. He's like, I worked on that relationship. That's not cool. (laughs) And one of our mutual friends, I found out my brother had said, hey, he's working on this new project. Do you want some help? And um, he gave me a shot. And so a little over three years ago, he and I started a company working with Fortune 1000 companies, helping them in the areas of innovation. Wow. He handled all the analytics side and all of the business uh, side. I handled all the people side. All from and a daddy blog. All from a daddy blog. So it has been a crazy ride of working with people who are high caliber, high mm. peak performers. And here I come from a nonprofit background who have now learned that much of our life that we do in application is done in the head first. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And partially the heart. Right? Well, that absolutely. You know, but there's an interesting filter between your heart and your head. Yeah. It's often a battle. Right? And we're, we, we were just talking about that before we came on the air. You know, there's, there's things in our heart that we want to believe, like to believe, you know, do believe. Mm-hmm. But then there's something in our, health, in our head that may say you don't deserve, you don't, yep. you're not worthy. Those you're limited not, beliefs. 
Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I love this journey that you went down, this went along, uh, forged your way through, because it's most of the time, I feel like when people reach uh, new versions of themselves or meet their own personal definition of success, it's because of that struggle. You don't just automatically meet with success. Right. So every pain is a possibility. Mm-hmm. Every fear is an invitation to courage. And every failure is an opportunity to learn. It is never game over, ever. I love that. I think that's your little soundbite right there. That yeah. was damn I mean, good. honestly, mic drop, we're done. <laughs> <That's good>. <laughs> <laughs> so this, these are great messages already so early on in our, in our show. And I want to segue over to millennials. Like You've been working with corporations now. How did you then learn so much about the millennial generation? Because you're not a millennial, correct? Right. No, I'm not. Uh, I like to think I am. My, my, my <laughs> wife starts to say, like, sometimes I act like it for sure. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, here's the component of that nonprofit. Uh, all the, those two nonprofits I did uh, were all dealing with young adults and leadership development. And mm-hmm. so I worked with lots of young people uh-huh. who, you know, can be 24, 25 years old, graduate from a great school and don't know their ass from their elbow. Mm-hmm. Um, We've all been and, there. Right. And here's the thing. Neither did I. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, we thought we did. We like to think we did. Oh, (laughs) totally. And, you know, I just have such great empathy and compassion because they get a huge bad rap. Every older generation always criticizes and ridicules the generation after them. Yeah, totally. So why do you think that, well, first of all, how are they perceived from what you've seen? And then why? We perceive them as lazy. We perceive them as, you know, ADD, <laughs> perpetually ADD. Mm-hmm. Um, we perceive them as um, ill-prepared. Uh, they're not mature. Mm. Um, there's all sorts of quotients. Entitlement. And entitled, oh my gosh, all the time. Gosh, how did I miss that one? You know, all of those different components that they are labeled, honestly, our generation, I think, is highly responsible for some of it. <laughs> You know what? It's funny. I um, I have a panel of millennials I did an episode with, and they actually said that. They're like, hey, you guys raised us, so why yep. are you bitching? <laughs> yep, yep. Um, they're entitled because we gave them eighth place trophies. Yes. Oh, my right? God, you thanks, nailed thanks it. Thanks for showing up. You're the best. Awesome. You nailed it. Right? Like, like that's that's the kind of stuff, like, with my children now. Um, so I have the my wife's first child from her previous relationship is now my baby girl. Mm-hmm. She's 21. You wouldn't know the difference. She's, she's just as corrupted and, 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 and goofy <laughs> as I am, right? Love it. Um, and then we have a seven-year-old and a six-year-old. And from the time that those two youngest ones were, were cognitive, you know, in understanding, I've told them three things. I love you. I'm proud of you. And I believe in you. With my daughter, I've told her a separate bonus question, which is, I think you're beautiful. Tell da- Can you tell daddy why? Ooh. And she has kind of a little phrase or, that she has that's wrote that says, I'm smart, I'm creative, I don't quit, I'm generous, and I share. And this- we're, starting, we're starting to build upon that. Now that she's seven, you know, we keep adding little things to it. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And with my son, the, question, the challenge bonus question for him is, I believe you have what it takes. Tell daddy why. Can you tell daddy why? And he will say, because I'm brave, because I don't quit, because I'm kind, because I love people, and because I'm smart. Mm -hmm. 
And so it's it's taking it beyond those traditional roles or traditional messages that society gives to to kids. Right. And so I'm being super intentional to prepare my kids intellectually and emotionally for the dynamics that life throws at them. Yeah. Because every one of us seeks three things. We want to know we're unconditionally loved. We want to know that we have a purpose. And we want to know that we're not alone. Mm-hmm. So then we, as Gen Xers or whatever, baby boomer generations, whoever above us, so we made mistakes along the way in terms of the way we raised our children. So millennials, what are their special talents if they haven't had that opportunity that you're giving to your kids to express these healthy ways of seeing themselves? What are their special talents if they're thinking, if everyone else thinks that they're acting entitled? So there's some components to the culture of millennials. And that is this, they're digital natives. So their ability to navigate and to um, dissect where they need to go or what they need to do within and, and fill in the blank. It can be with a Mac OS, it can be with Android, it can be with PC, it doesn't matter. Their agility in the digital space is way beyond anything we ever knew. I mean, my first computer was fifth grade with a Tandy something 200 or something, right? Yeah. We yeah. had the little glowing blue or green screen and then orange screen, and we thought that was amazing. I had those early Macs, you know, oh, the, yeah, yeah. the weird Apple Mac, the first one. <laughs> yeah. The, did you have the Lisa or the, um, um, then they had the, the Apple IIe was a little more advanced. It wasn't anything. We didn't have the internet. Yep. We didn't have email. And, uh, you know, all those different things, like this generation knows that stuff like the back of their hand. And so they have this agility and this creativity that is untapped. That's why people perceive them as having ADD probably as well, because they're just kind of, they pick up things quickly. Yeah. Or you see them glued to their phone. Well, their phone is an extension of their community. Their phone is an extension of their knowledge base. My daughter, my 21-year-old says, I cheat all the time, daddy. I'm like, why are you cheating in school? That's not our values. That's not what we do. (laughs) And she said this. She said, if my professors would take the time to learn the most current delivery of relevant information instead of teaching us the same thing he's been teaching us for the last four or five years, then I would respect him enough to take his test without cheating. But if he just wants me to know knowledge, I can access the the knowledge. Damn. This is the 21-year-old? This is the 21-year-old. And I'm like, you know what? (laughs) Like, we are so That's so true. We are hell-bent on them knowing, you know, historic facts and figures. Yeah. And we want this memorization of, you know, what all these pieces mean to the puzzle. But in this day and age, why are we trying to make them memorize things they can access off of something like Google? That's so true. And, you know, none of that information did anything for me in my life, Mm -hmm. you know. And the stuff that I really, really needed was how to communicate, how to effectively write, You know, I mean, like, there's so many different things that are not taught in schools. And so your daughter has an amazing point. Yeah, and and she's wicked. And that's the thing is, some of these kids are wicked smart. Yeah. Um, And they just have a different framework for how they see the world. And once you get into that framework and you start to understand that, then you can uncork the power that's within. So then how do you explain this in really simple terms to the older generation so that they can understand them rather than judge them for it? I would say this. Your parents didn't understand you either. <laughs> Elvis was the devil. Well done. And so were the Beatles. 
You know, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's like you're shaking hips. You're right from the pits. You know, it, it's like, come on, people. Every generation looks down upon the next. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about it in terms of the workplace. So over the years, there's been this huge shift in the way things are, are happening with talent, with teams. And a lot of it's moving to offsite talent, uh, freelancers, that kind of thing. Do you think that's also played a role in terms of the mindset of millennials? Um, I don't know if it's playing a mind into their mindset as much as it's prepping for their mindset. Okay. It's starting to say twofold. One, culturally, we are starting to integrate our work in our life. Second of all, we are starting to see that the incentive for large companies to maintain employees and their benefits and their pensions, that's going away because of workforce redundancy, because of efficiencies, and because the ability that technology has made us to be able to access expertise from any corner of the world using the technologies that are there. And so as such, companies are getting rid of all of this you know, excess baggage you know, from their liabilities. I'm using that in air quotes that no, none of you can see, so I'm telling you. <laughs> and they're replacing that with these workforces that they can ebb and flow they can expand and contract according to the demands of their work right but from the from the millennial perspective though they're used to having freedom from very early on so for the millennials they think this is fantastic because i can work as much as i want when i want Mm -hmm. now i can do three contracts four contracts at a time or none and i can travel i can do it from any corner on the globe right so Mm -hmm. i can do it from a coffee shop in zimbabwe i can do it from the beach in the caribbean now you all of a sudden have an experience to take the qualitative nature of life. And this is where millennials have a different perspective. They live more in the moment than they do the future. Aha. That's so huge. This component means that the motivators you have to give them have to do with what's that mean to me today? Mm-hmm. You can't say, hey, if you work really hard, you're going to get this promotion. They'll say, you know, the average person doesn't work at a company more than three years. Like, how do you, I don't even want that job. Why are you even offering me that job? I'm probably going to hate this company <laughs> before too long. I'm going to go work with your competitor because you guys treat me like crap. Mm-hmm. You, won't give, you won't give me ownership over everything. You won't empower me and you won't educate me in this space. All you do is to keep throwing tasks at me and say, do, do, do. Mm-hmm. But you never get me to own. So why should I stay anyway? Mm-hmm. Which is why I would imagine a lot of the millennial generation are influencers and are starting their own businesses and becoming very young but and successful entrepreneurs. It sounds audacious. They don't have the patience for the people they work for. Mm-hmm. So they're just going to go do it themselves. <laughs> I understand that. Right? And I'm not even a millennial. Mm-hmm. I totally get that. Hey, guys, I want to take a quick break for a word from my affiliate partner, Edge Bioactives, super cool company doing health supplements. And since we're talking about work, it's like so many of us, we've all been there, have had caffeine all day long. Like we reach for the coffee because we're just feeling foggy and we need that to be able to focus on what the heck we're doing. So I have an alternate recommendation for you. And again, it's from Edge Bioactives. It's safe, all natural, non-caffeinated way to get rid of the fogginess. 
And it also enhances your memory, helps you focus for longer periods of time, helps you learn faster. And bonus, some of my friends tell me that it also helps get rid of their hangovers faster. So if you had a little too much party time last night, this could help you out. And I'm making that as a personal claim, so that's not something that they're going to list on their website, FYI. It's just a little bonus thing. So the name of the product is Alpha Levo IQ. I've mentioned it several times in various episodes, and they put together a special offer for NOL listeners. If you go to alphanol.com and purchase today, you could get five free bonuses, including the Billionaire Productivity Hacks ebook, Secret FBI Persuasion Techniques, hmm, age-reversing recipes that you could try at home, and a lot more goodies. Um, this is super cool. These these guys are awesome people. I know them personally. They care a lot about creating products that can help people improve their health and wellness, and I'm very proud to be an affiliate partner with them because their mission is a perfect fit with my mission for Nothing Off Limits, which is to help people. So try out this product. Enhance your memory. I hope you check it out. Let me know how it works out for you. And now, back to the show with Angus Nelson. Man, he's got a good name. When you and I spoke offline, you mentioned something that was very interesting to me. And I'm sure people out there listening have heard of this term. But you mentioned emotional IQ and that you use this as part of your coaching when you work with management teams. Tell us more about that. Yeah, so um, I'm actually even writing about that in my new book, um, that that is one of the critical components for the future of work. From both sides of the equation, you've got to have an understanding of how you interact with human dynamics. If you're going to go to an, a, a contract labor force, big companies don't have the same you know, kind of bureaucratic bulliness that you know, you're not going to leave because you're stuck to golden handcuffs. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got that big house now with all the money we're paying you, so you know, I can treat you like trash and I don't care. <sighs> Uh-huh. Or if you make a mistake, not only am I going to tell you you made a mistake, but I'm going to CC your manager and your manager's Ugh, manager. God, I don't miss that. Right? Like that's that ridiculous mindset. Well, yeah. now you're working with contractors. You've got to learn empathy and compassion and human qualities because that person can go work for your competitor far easier in a contract structure. They're going to take all your intellectual property with them. Ooh, Yeah. So now there's a liability, or excuse me, uh, not a liability, uh, a responsibility Mm -hmm. from leadership to treat people well. That dynamic is missing in much of our big corporate America, and that's going to change. So human resources is going to have to develop some kind of leadership development in that quotient. On the flip side of the token is people who are now contract laborers. You're going to have to develop your network of relationships in ways that, you know, probably really, really um, either sales or marketing focused people in the past were really good at, but other people not so much. And you're going to have to develop relationships on a value offered basis. In other words, you're not coming to take, but you're coming to give. It's a place of generosity where you're developing awesome relationships and an awesome, powerful network because that's where all of your future opportunities are going to come from. Totally. And repeat business. Yeah. Repeat, repeat projects, yeah. And so, the the more specifically on on that emotional, you know, quotient, you know, some call it IQ, some call it EQ, some people just call it, you know, people smarts, whatever. And for the longest time, it's been seen as merely a soft skill. Well, tell you what, that soft skill is about to become a hard skill. It's not tangible. But it has a return on investment. Heck yeah. And as we relate back to the whole generational divide, that's a way to also bridge that gap, isn't it? Yeah. 
And once you start learning who you are and what you can do and what's possible with uh, your skills and talents, you become far more confident and far more, I'm going to use this word again, audacious to step out and do the things that you otherwise wouldn't have. So give us an example of how developing this skill set, which we can argue that is now a hard, it's absolutely uh, required skill set, how it can be transferred from the workplace to something outside of your business. You know, I asked um, Gary Vaynerchuk, um, who's done a couple of videos on being self-aware. I interviewed him on my show and I said, how does somebody become self-aware? There was a long, dramatic pause. And then he said, I don't know. Mm. And that's part of the challenge is some people just don't know. In my practice, it's not so much that you, you teach as much as you show. And what that means is once you take like an assessment, say a Myers-Briggs, a DISC profile, a Colby A index, StrengthsFinder, uh, anagrams, like any of, there's a number of different products out there that give you insight into either your preferences your likes and your loves, your, um, your strengths, or your, you know, the opposite, your weaknesses or how people perceive you, or worse yet, under stress, how um, do other people perceive you. Mm-hmm. Um, those elements, once you start to get insight into how you behave and how you think, for most people, they'll stop there, and then they'll lock themselves down and say, this is just who I am. I'm an ENFP. Of course, I'm a social person, touchy feeling. I'm emotional. Big deal. It's just who I am. But character will always override preference. What happens as you mature in that understanding is you start to learn how to read other people and their preferences. Now you fit communication into that equation and you start to communicate, not as most people think. I communicate just to you know, force you to understand what I want to say. Instead, you learn how to say things in the way the other person can receive it. Mm-hmm. And that's where the magic happens, is now I set aside my preferences, put character into the equation, because now I'm going to love, honor, and respect you enough that I'm going to communicate this in a way that I think you need to understand. But I also think it's important to not completely compromise yourself and the way that you like to express things. It's just basically reframing it in a way that you think the other person can handle it, right? Yeah, you see, you're never compromising who you are. You're compromising in how you do. And what that does, it develops a level of, not only are you showing you're competent, but it shows that you respect, love, and honor that person. And their respect level for you, their level of advocacy for you, mm. their, their level of fighting for you is immediately gravitated to a whole new other level. Yeah. No, that's amazing stuff. And I could see how that would apply to different areas of life. The conversation between different generations, can you give us a specific example of how you coached someone, let's say from Gen X or baby boomer generation to work within a difficult, challenging situation with a millennial employee? So I'll use the word you used before, reframe. Most of our um, understandings are based on judgment. I believe that you do things for the same reasons that I do things. Right. That's a judgment. Instead of or an assumption. Yeah. Instead of asking questions. Hey, when you did that thing, um, what, what was it that you um, were thinking when you did that thing? Mm-hmm. Or when you did that thing, um, what was your reason for doing it the way you did it? 
Or you had a very unique approach to how you did that. And I, I, I just have to ask you, like, can you tell me how you process that to get to that the result? And what happens is you get, A, again, honor because you're coming to them to ask questions. And when you ask someone questions, they always feel good about answering. We all have an answer monster inside of us. Sure. We, we love to answer because now it feels like, oh, I have something to say. But isn't there now, power plays that still go on at corporations, specifically larger ones? And even, I mean, I'm thinking creatively like an ad agency or something like that. It's like they're power plays. There's politics that go on. There are people who play games. And so not everybody's coming from the heart in this authentic way and genuinely curious about what you think. They're just like, oh, this brat just went over my head and made this decision without coming to me first. And I'm annoyed. You know, and so how do you deal with those types of, I mean, challenge, I mean, they're real challenges, they're, they're disconnects. And those are the very reasons why this whole dynamic of emotional intelligence is so critically important. Mm -hmm. Those individuals who build it by bullying, they're not going to have a role anymore. That is karma coming to kick you in the ass because you think you can walk around and peacock and that you can bully people out of your roles and your positions and that you you know can you know piss on your own turf and set your own guides what happens is you create so much animosity and so much discord that when this thing flips you're gone mm-hmm. well i mean that's like a a really i don't know dramatic way of looking at it but i'm thinking like smaller situations like where um i don't know someone's being kind of competitive maybe they want to outdo their teammate and so they they cut some corners to do that that kind of thing and there's that disconnect and so how does how do you how would you coach a manager to deal with that kind of behavior well is it coming from as a manager is it coming from someone that i'm serving is it someone below me or is it someone that i'm serving from someone above me it would be, I'm thinking, to look for an example of a manager who is managing a millennial, and the millennial acted in a way that was outside of normal business protocol, but still got the job done. Right. So I would go and ask the questions, everything that I shared before. Again, it's all about understanding. The judgment is, oh, that little chutzpah. Well, look, who the hell is he thinking? Right. He is? Well, I'll no, give you, an you, example. Would, you would ask the questions, Angus, but how do you get the managers to shift their mindset? Because from their perspective, they're like, this is not okay per the way we do business here at Company X. And that's why the, everything's changing. So if you want to stick to the protocol you've done all these years, you're no different than all of these companies that thought that they could do the same. Mm. You are you are Blockbuster. You are Radio Shack. You are Kmart. <laughs> all right. Right? Yeah. So, and this is the audacity that you have to confront people with data. Yeah. Why are these companies doing what they're doing? I'll tell you what, small is the new big. That's why Google has now created Alphabet and divided their companies into multiple strains because they cannot do things as big. They have to do them as small. Mm -hmm. This is why eBay and uh, PayPal have split ways so they can focus on their own verticals. This is why Xerox is splitting into two different companies. The way that we've seen business all this time has been the way that business has always been done. That's all we see. What we don't see is somebody coming along and says, you know what, I could rent out my couch or a blow-up mattress or a bed and I can create a hotel. And before you know it, you've got a $46 billion company that is smoking hotels. Mm -hmm. 
in Airbnb. Oh, you know what? This taxi thing, we've been doing this for 40, 60, 80 years in our city. Yeah, it's a great thing, man. We're making so much money. And then somebody says, you know what? If I play around with this this uh, technology here, I can build an app where people can order a car up from an individual. And now I'm empowering people to take ownership of their own lives to totally. be their own company. No, totally. So when you're working with a corporation, how do you? what kind of tools do you provide to the older generations or management, assuming that they're from an older generation? to change the expectations of their millennial counterparts or employees, and then also the environment that goes along with that. So tools, um, I'll share a book you and I, I shared with you earlier, Promote Yourself, The New Rules for Career Success by Dan Schwabel. It's a book that was written by a millennial mm-hmm. for millennials. But that's what makes it beautiful because you as a non-millennial reading this gives you so much insight like, oh my gosh, that's how they see the world. Great. You know, you don't need to own a a business to be an entrepreneur, but what you need, the entrepreneurial mindset to succeed in business. This is just one little excerpt. Some of these young people are seeing themselves as entrepreneurs. You and I might say they're intrapreneurs. Mm Mm-hmm. But if the changing world is going to be a contract labor force, then these young people are already seeing themselves as owning their own future. Yeah. Yeah. And so you have to manage them differently. So if you want to continue the way you've always done things, then you cannot expect the same results. Mm -hmm. So does this book give tips on, on changing that management style? Absolutely. Um, it, again, and it, again, it's not necessarily by saying, you know, A, B, C, this is what you need to do. Right. What it does is take that insight and it gives you those aha moments. Mm-hmm. So what about the flip side for the millennials? How do you work with them and or what kind of advice do you have for the millennials out there listening? So I say this on both sides of the equation is lots of patience, lots of questions. <laughs> yeah. Right? Because neither one of them has patience for the other. Right. Right. Um, I'll, I'm going to give you an example here really quick, going back to what we were just saying, um, that might also illustrate this. There's a young person who was asked um, to go and make flight arrangements for a superior office, um, upper management. So this kid goes and marches into the office of that um, executive and says, uh, ask him a number of questions. And marches out the room, and everybody's up in arms. What in the hell did you just do? You can't and go in the boss's office. They called this kid out, and they gave him, you know, the runaround. And he said, and this kid rose up and said, "I could have spent two hours trying to exchange emails back and forth to find out where he likes to sit, wh- what part of the the uh, plane he wants to sit, what time he wants to take off and arrive, and what kind of food preference he has." Or I could go into the office and I could ask him, do you want to pay me for two hours or two minutes? Ooh, I love it. This is the difference between how they think and how we think. Right. It's, it, for, from the millennials' perspective, it was an efficient way of getting it done. And then they're ready for the next thing. And I love that approach. But I could also see it from the other standpoint, which is that, hey, you just went over our our heads, and you can't do that. You have to. Have, there's a there's a pecking order here, right? I don't know how to tell you any different. It's changing. Our yeah. expectations have to change too. Yep. Yep. You create a new model. Hey, it's not me that feels that way. I'm, all, know, I'm totally <laughs> on the side of the millennials. <laughs> and so, again, this, this is that, that hardline questioning that says you have to conform 
to how we do things around here, young man. Right. Young woman. What do you think is happening with the, the newer generations like your children? Um, I think it's going to become even more entrepreneurial. Um, I think it's going to be one of two things. Um, there's going to be a fewer jobs around uh, that are in the construct that we understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, Good. would make it very difficult for us to predict. Um, at the same time, um, it's going to be a different culture as a whole on a global scale. When you look at the advancement of artificial intelligence, autonomous vehicles, you're looking at self-learning, the world is going to be very different in 20 years, let alone 40 years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in to try and predict the rapid speed of change at this moment is kind of a pipe dream. But I will tell you this. I think some of those sci-fi movies that we thought were so cool and fantasy when we were kids probably are far more accurate than we would give them credit. Yeah, yeah. You're not the first person to say that, too. I've had those conversations before where it's like, it's unbelievable how we've, we've it's almost like that whole idea of manifestation. It's like, if you can dream it, it's going to come true. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. And I believe that too, you know, in our own lives, it's funny, you know, when we were, we were talking about all that foo-foo stuff and you said, you know, let's get back to the office, you know, that's the whole premise is like all of this stuff is the office. <laughs> and again, it's more of that change. It's not a matter of nine to five is my job. It is going to become where your life is your job and vice versa. Yeah. Well, yeah, like, I mean, so many people compartmentalize their lives in that way. And that's changing for sure, where there's definitely an overlap. And if you get it together at work in terms of your relationships, you mentioned this, you know, emotional IQ or EQ, then that will filter over into your personal relationships as well. It's a natural thing. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's funny. Um I think this next generation also relationally is going to be on a different spectrum than us. Um, They've seen how we kind of jacked up relationships in our generation. Mm. um, And they are a little bit more um, savvy in taking the time to find the kind of people. And I think what's going to happen is they're going to also take the time to be the right people for a relationship as well. That's huge. Because that's something that I'm still evolving into. And that's like this concept that just came into my world a few years ago is that, hey, if you want to attract the partner of your dreams, then you have to be that person. Come on. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> now, now, now you're talking about stuff I talk about in that first book of mine. Oh, books. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, go, I go into all that. Oh, yeah. We can do a whole nother episode about the love, the love side of things. Mm-hmm. We should. We should because game. yeah, so many of my friends, people I know, they're all kind of struggling with that concept right now and trying to get to that place. So it's actually really relieving to know that the new generations aren't struggling with that at all. Maybe I should date somebody who's like 22. <laughs> <laughs> Open up a whole new can of worms. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, I, I don't think that the 21, 20 year olds um, are going <laughs> to be necessarily connecting. I think they're starting to bridge the gap. Yeah. Whereas I see my younger kids, the six and seven year olds, um, that's where I see things being very mm. different. Yeah. Well, for sure. And I, I think you're absolutely contributing to that in the way that you're teaching them on how their self, the way they see themselves and their self worth. And you're building that up early, which I think is amazing. Yeah, thanks. And I'm, you know, I'm trying to make this stuff contagious, obviously, through my coaching practice and through Mm -hmm. my book. You know, the whole premise of my book, you know, not only do we talk about just this changing nature of work, looking at contract labor forces, looking at all that, you know, stuff, uh, as far as from threats and opportunities on both sides. 
the back end of the book, I like to think of it as the mullet approach, business up front, party in the back. (laughs) And the back end of the book is going to address all of these dynamics to that whole human uh, emotional intelligence. And it's going to give some tools and instruction on like how you can apply those elements and then how you can um, actually work towards becoming, like you said, being that person, not just expecting other people to mm, be that. Totally. Is and that your gonna, cover art for the book, The Mullet? N- it, no, but it, that's really funny. Um, <laughs> you could you could put on a wig and that should be the cover of the book, I that, think. That should be the, the gallery uh, uh, book that I send out to all the influencers. It'll, it'll have like a little mullet on it. I love it. That would be hilarious. With like one of those bad Christmas sweaters. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, you know, this whole element um, is one and the same of our culture. Um, emotional intelligence will impact not only our workforces, but our relationships. And I think it's going to better ourselves because w- when you have people who are rising up like the Brené Burchards, like the Brene Browns, mm-hmm. you know, and, and now a resurgence of Tony Robbins of all people. Yeah. Like, those uh, Tim Ferriss is coming around to this level too. Oh, um, I love him. And and even Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, like I ch- I told him on his show. I said, you know, do you know or realize that your brand is starting to kind of spill into more of a motivational part? And he said, you know, my my producers and you know the guys that make all of his videos and stuff. He said they wanted me to do that. I said, no, I don't want to do that. I'm a business guy. Hmm. And he said, but now they're like, you know, spinning all this stuff into this. And but that's clearly still, what it was anyway. Right? Like there is this element where all of us are starving for someone to give us a guiding light. Yeah. There's just too much chaos and crap in the world and we need people to tell us it's going to be okay. Gary would probably put that differently. He'd probably say light a fire under your ass. <laughs> come on. Come on. And you know, for me like I want to be a part of that cheerleading squad. I'm trying to run lead on that to make this thing contagious. Yeah. That's awesome. I love the way things are shifting. And hopefully, and this sounds cheesy, but you know, the whole world will become a better place, we hope, you know, Mm, so mm -hmm. it starts with one. So uh, everybody out there listening, I hope you've been inspired the way I have. Check out AngusNelson.com. Pick up his book when it comes out. Is it on pre-order, Angus? Not yet. We're still trying to work on all that cover art and the mullet. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. If you use that, I will laugh so hard. I'll be like, that's my idea. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then you also have an ebook, a networking ebook. Tell us about that real quick. So, the two components that I believe are our future um, that are going to help you get ahead and advance you, and I actually will unpack this inside of my book, are these two things. One is being a self learner, becoming an expert at what you do and who you are. You sewing into yourself through all of the tools and resources that are available, whether it be a Udemy, whether it be Teachable, whether it be YouTube, you fill in the blank, but getting to where you advance amongst your peers and you will succeed. Mm-hmm. The second component of that is the relationships that you've developed along the way. The value that you offer to others is the value that will be presented to you when the time is necessary. Mm-hmm. You sew into others and they will eventually sew into you. And so one of the components of that is building a network that's not about taking but one of giving. And so I wrote this ebook and specifically for the 65% of Americans who classify themselves as introverts, this tool will empower them to see that they are actually well-wired 
to be very successful in building great quality relationships. Wow, so you 65%. Can find that, yeah, yeah. And More so than you, I thought. You can just find that on my website, just angusnelson.com forward slash nothing off limits, all one word. I love that you did that for the show. Thank you, Angus. Mm-hmm, my and pleasure. And for the listeners. Uh, thank you so much for being here today on Nothing Off Limits. I would love to have you back again. And uh, all the best with finishing up your book and all the other adventures you've got coming. Well, thanks, Michelle. It has been euphoric. (laughs) Awesome. I'm glad. That's my word. Awesome. (laughs) I don't care if it's dated, everybody. If you're a millennial out there listening, yes, I'm going to say awesome. (laughs) Uh, Do you remember the late 80s when it was like totally stinking awesome? Yeah, totally. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Perfect. Have a good one. Thank you so much again. Thank you. Have a great topic you'd like to hear discussed on an upcoming episode of Nothing Off Limits? Email us at ideas at ladyfoxentertainment.com. In the meantime, please subscribe, rate the show, and go to ladyfoxentertainment.com to sign up for our email list and to check out our resources page. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you next time.